Recruitment Journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. No matter what your recruitment journey is, whether it's contract, temp, exec search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner to help accelerate growth, speak to Vincere. Visit vincere.io forward slash mint for an exclusive offer for all subscribers of this podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Recruitment Journeys podcast series. My name is Pete Watson from Mint Recruitment, and we're in Ottawa, or Rec to Rec, whatever you want to call us. And as an Ottawa, we spend all day, every day, talking to recruiters about their careers. That's kind of what we do. We've been around since 2004, placing recruiters into Australia, the UK, Asia, and the US. And in those 15 years, we've seen pretty much every direction in which a recruiter can take their own personal recruitment career. So in this podcast series, we're going to interview recruiters all on a different path, each with a different destination, and we're going to hear their individual stories about how they got to where they are today. So if you're a recruiter and you're thinking about your next chapter or your future journey, and you just want to hear about how others did it before you, then please sit back and enjoy Recruitment Journeys. So in episode one of Recruitment Journeys, I wanted to explore the dream that a lot of recruitment entrepreneurs have when they start their own recruitment firms, and that is to to build and scale a sizable and successful recruitment business. Now, thankfully, we have quite a few businesses here in Australia that fit well into that category, and we have a lot to choose from. But one of them, and one of the first that popped into my head when thinking about a large privately owned and respected recruitment firm was Sharp & Carter. So I sat down with Steve Carter, the, uh, the, the founding director of Sharp and Carter, and he was kind enough to give me his time and tell us his story about how Sharp and Carter became what it is today. Now, interestingly enough, Steve Carter didn't start Sharp and Carter with the intention of global domination, quite the opposite, in fact. And it's really interesting to find out why he did actually start the business. But when he realized he was onto something good, he put certain practices and values in place which have ensured that Schaff and Carter have turned into what they are today, which is a phenomenal organization. And he'll share some of those business secrets with us today. Also, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more from Stephen, he actually has a blog sitting in the article space on his LinkedIn profile. So be sure to check that out as well. But without further ado, I uh, hope you enjoy episode one of the Recruitment Journeys podcast series with Stephen Carter, uh, entitled The Business Builder. Stephen Carter from Sharp and Carter. Hello and, uh, and, and welcome to Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks, Pete. Good to be here. Um, Stephen, most, most of our listeners uh, won't, uh, won't have the foggiest clue, but you were kind enough to help me out with an interview about three years ago. Um, and like a, like a complete idiot, uh, I recorded it on, a, on an iPhone and then I, uh, I posted it on, on LinkedIn as an article and then I, got, and I typed up the whole thing myself. It took about six hours. So hopefully this is a bit more time efficient. But what's, what's interesting uh, about that, that was only three years ago, that was 2016. Uh, and at the time, <clears throat> I remember you telling me you were just under 60 staff and you're now how many staff? 120 staff. Now. 120 staff. So in the last three years, uh, Sharp and Carter has uh, has actually more than doubled in size. 
Yeah, yes, it has. Yeah, I, I, I recently presented a, um, a sort of Sharp and Carter as a, a business case to a group of um, uh, to a forum, positive psychology forum, and uh, over the last six years, we've grown at fifty five percent per annum. That's in incredible. Terms of our sales okay. revenue. Incredible. Congratulations. So, um, look, I've already given you a little bit of a, a brief introduction earlier on in the podcast, but in your own words, uh, would you mind introducing yourself and Sharp and Carter? Sure. So, we've now been operational for 10 years or operating for 10 years, 10 and a half years. Uh, we have five offices across Australia, two in Melbourne, two in Sydney and one in Brisbane. Uh, we specialise in finance and accounting recruitment, IT, legal and compliance, sales and marketing, business support and property and construction. Uh, and in Brisbane, we also do executive recruitment and HR. So uh, yes, so 120 staff uh, across those offices. Fantastic. Thank you, Stephen. So just to very quickly explain the, the, the thought and the concepts around this, this podcast series. Um, I've now been in recruitment to recruitment for, for, for more years than I care to think about. Uh, and it's occurred to me many times that when we start off uh, our recruitment careers in our, in our mid to early 20s, I don't think any of us truly know what direction it's going to go in. And, and there are so many different variations of, of where our career can go. There's probably 12 to 15, probably more different directions our, our recruitment career can go in. So the purpose of this podcast, Stephen, is really just to, to speak to people <clears throat> who've been on a certain journey and try to you know, find out what they've done, uh, the decisions they've made, um, and what practices they've put in place to get where they are today. And the category that, that you fall into, Stephen, and I, I hate to pigeonhole you, is, is business builder. I'm very keen to understand your journey and how you got to uh, you know, leaving, uh, leaving Michael Page all those years ago to creating one of the, the biggest privately owned businesses here in Australia today. Um, so just going back to the start-ish, Stephen, you, know, you, you obviously did the hard yards at Michael Page. I think you racked up 11 years with, with Page. Yes. At what point in that 11-year journey did you come to the realization that starting your own business might be something uh, you would do? You know, when did you come to that decision and why did you come to that decision? Well, it's going to be quite an uninspiring answer to this. I, I'd, I'd like to be able to say I thought of a revolutionary way to recruit or came up with a piece of uh, technology that would enable us to, uh, to, to beat the competition. But... Uh, I'd spent 10 years at Michael Page, uh, I'd moved around, uh, I'd started in finance recruitment mm. they, and then they moved me to head up their sales and marketing recruitment business in Melbourne and I did that for two years and then the global financial crisis hit mm. uh, and I was going for a director's role and I missed out on getting a director's role um, partly because of the global financial crisis and they just weren't, the, the, you know, they'd rationed back the amount of mm. um, director's roles available. Um, so they moved me into recruiting IT roles into banking and finance clients, which was a great seat. The, the guy that had been in it previously who moved back to the UK had built a million dollars in the year before. Yeah. Uh, but I was calling up the NAB who had spent four hundred thousand dollars with this with my sort of the guy I took over from and yeah. saying okay what needs do you have on you spent 400 grand last year and the NAB was saying Stephen have you not heard there's a global financial crisis we are not <laughs> recruiting we don't even know if we're going to be open next week mm. and so uh, and and that combined with the fact I'd always recruited in commerce and industry 
so I was having to develop a whole new set of relationships in um, banking and finance. And I thought, well, if I'm going to have to start again and develop yeah. a whole new set of relationships in a market that actually doesn't exist right now, yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to be a really long-term play. Perhaps I'll do it for myself. Yeah. And, um, and so then I spoke to people who may be open to doing it with me. I was always really firm that I needed a business partner to do it with. I didn't want to mm. do it by myself. Um, and... Uh, and then Tim, mm. um, thankfully, uh, was crazy enough to do it with me, and and uh, we got started. So okay, so so up until that point, had you actually thought, ever thought about starting your own business, or was it was it you, you basically had your hand forced? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I I was really I feel, feel like looking back, I was forced into it. That I was I was very much <laughs> on the um, the journey with Michael Page. I was comfortable with the career opportunities that they were wow. able to offer me. Uh, they, you know, they, they do a huge amount of things really well, and mm. um, uh, so you know, I was there for ten years. I was really invested. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So it was, I suppose, a combination of perhaps disappointment in missing out on the promotion of getting a director's role. Yeah. Uh, combined with moving into a seat that for that period didn't exist. Now picked up quite quickly thereafter. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, that, that sort of made, that forced me to think, okay, I need to leave Michael Page and I either go to another recruitment firm and I do it for my, or I do it for myself and I felt like the better path was to do it for myself. So <clears throat> the GFC was a nightmare for, for, for most of us in the recruitment industry, myself included. But for you, it was, uh, it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and it, it actually played into our hands somewhat in being a startup during the GFC. Yeah. Because prior to that, business was going crazy it was yeah. just booming yeah. and so it would have been difficult to start a business in that environment where it was so candidate short yeah uh, because you didn't have a brand name obviously as a startup you don't have um, any referrals or repeat or, or uh, yeah any referrals from candidates and that would be a huge barrier to entry mm. but starting during the GFC if you put an ad on seat you actually got some good people <laughs> applying to it yeah. and so therefore you could yeah. actually fill the jobs that, that that came in yeah yeah did um did your loved ones and the, the people around you did they think you were nuts starting a business in 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 one of the worst recessions we've ever seen in the modern era yes my uh my father-in-law told my wife that uh i shouldn't do it yeah. uh and it yeah lots of people didn't think it was a good idea lots of people that i spoke to 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 potentially partner with said mm. well this is you know it's a global financial crisis i'm not leaving a secure job mm. to start a business um and but probably the key uh the key person who who supported me was my wife and yeah. um so she was we had a two-year-old she was wow. pregnant with our second wow. and the point at which i sat down with her and said i want to do this now if she says no yeah none of this happens yeah but um, thankfully, she said, "Yep, I'm happy. You know, you should give it a go." Yeah, and and that was really the, the, yeah. W without her support, then I wouldn't have tried. Yeah, yeah. So we'll come back to to, to Tim in a moment. But but at the time, did you um, did you reach out to any industry leaders, any people in the recruitment industry uh, who you who you knew and trusted, who had run businesses, uh, to seek their advice? Uh, did you did you seek counsel from any any kind of senior people in the market? 
to some degree. Like I spoke to, I knew, I know the guys that I'd worked with the guys at Six Degrees mm. uh, for a number of years. So Paul, um, Nick, and David, and yep. I spoke to them about about their journey, and they were uh, they were positive in terms. You know, they'd had a great experience. They 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 timed their run extremely well, yeah. being open for those boom years. Yeah, uh, and they were encouraging that it's not impossible. Yeah. Um, but I. I I don't think we, you know, it's important to say for everyone that um, my ambition was, or my dreams were never to run a 120 person business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ambition was only to do well enough to feed my family. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I'd build years where I build eight or 900 K at Michael Page. And I thought, well, even if I do half as well as that and I build yeah. three or 400, I still get to keep all that money and, you know, I'll, I'll earn 200K and that'll yeah. be enough. Um, you know, that, that'll be probably a little bit more than what I was on at Michael Page. Yeah. So, uh, and, and really, I think one of, the, one of the big things I learned in that time is uh, I read this article and, and the point that they made that really resonated with me was um, the key barrier to running a successful business uh, is starting the business in the first place. Mm. <laughs> and so, yep. uh, so really there wasn't a huge amount of strategizing or planning that went in. It was much more about starting. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then really try to be successful recruitment consultants yep. for Tim and I in our own rights. Yeah. And then if we can make a go of that, then we'll assess a strategy we'll as to happens. how... You yeah, know, we we grow it beyond the two of us. So you okay? So you were just like one foot in front of the other. Let's just get through that rocky first year period when seventy five percent of businesses go pop. Let's yep. just get through that. Correct. And see what happens. That's right. Yeah. Just wow. we you know the, probably the and this was uh, credit to Tim that uh, his strategy. He probably brought more strategy, which was let's try to keep costs low. Let's yeah. minimise our risk. Yeah. And that way, if it doesn't work, we're not going to lose our houses, etc. Yeah. So, you know, we started in a subleased office based out in Wheelers Hill. We didn't even buy a job adder or a profile or CRM. We just, one of my mates designed a, a shared Excel spreadsheet that we use for our candidates and our clients. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, um, Have you still uh, got it? <laughs> no, no, we don't have it. Uh, and, you know, one of my other mates designed the logo for yeah. a six-pack of beer. You know, yeah. So, yeah. so we, that was probably as far as the strategy went. We'd just keep costs low and, and um, give yeah. it a try. And try and get some money in, mm. the, in the brand new business bank account. Yep. So, so going back to Tim. So um, I'm, I'm always very curious when I see um, uh, people going to business with a business partner because it's, it's usually somebody that they know. Mm. Obviously, it's something that they, they, they know is capable, something that they trust. But I'm always curious about the, the, the kind of personal relationship um, and how that plays out over the years. So would you say, Tim, Tim was obviously a colleague. You worked together at Michael Page. But was he a mate? Was he a friend? Uh, we were definitely friendly. And yeah. we, we were mates at work. Uh, we didn't, we didn't socialise outside of work. So I suppose, yeah, we were mates, but not to the point that we spent time together outside of work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. And then, um, yeah, again, staying on Tim. So, so Tim stayed in the business for a few years? Yep, before four he, years. For four years, yep. okay. 
and and he just decided that it wasn't for him, or was there was there another reason behind that, or he just yeah. ran its ran its natural course. It's um, it was very amicable. Yeah, the the sort of um, the split, and or as amicable as these things ever can be. And yeah, I think. Uh, Certainly my recollection of it, of what Tim's um, thoughts were, that he enjoyed recruitment and yeah. he loved uh, he loved it when it was he and I um, recruiting roles and sort of being successful, but he didn't love managing a large team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so when we had sort of six or seven staff in the business, he didn't. He didn't really enjoy the role like he used to when he was just yeah, recruiting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. So in those early years, you know, between two thousand nine, two thousand thirteen, this is before Christian Keogh and Anthony Holtstock came in, and we'll obviously talk about those guys soon. Um, what was the main thing that kind of troubled you with growing a business or building a business and starting a business? Was there anything that gave you sleepless nights? Any yeah. any 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 mistakes that uh, you remember making? I suppose one of the biggest learnings through that time uh, is that there's no barriers to starting a recruitment business mm-hmm. because you can do it with a shared Excel spreadsheet and yeah. a, you know a serviced office that costs you a hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Uh, but there's a huge barrier to growing a recruitment business because you need to be able to hire staff. Mm. And one of the things staff think about when they are analysing who to work with mm. is what are the career, what's the career path yeah. available to me if I join firm A or firm B or firm C. Yeah. And when you're two guys sitting in an office, you can talk a lot about plans and blue sky and ambition, but there's no case study or track record of saying, I've taken this person started here and now they look at them, they're managing a large team. Yeah. So it's really, really tough to, to hire staff. It's yeah. not impossible, and it wasn't, you know, Tim and I, we hired, as I said, sort of five or six staff. Yeah. It's really, really difficult, and, and what, what, some, what some firms do, like I think SHK did this. Yeah. Um, I think from, from what I've been told, they were Morgan and Banks, you know, T2 guys, and then they left T2, but they brought their team with them. Yeah. So they started not with two, they started with five or six or something like that. Yeah, they cherry-picked the best people out of Morgan yeah. Banks. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And you know, that's a moment in time mm. because you need to do it when you leave mm. because you've got relationships <laughs> in place and you, you can influence them because you're working with them every day. Come with us, you know, we've got a lot planned, we're going to make it work, I'm going to be able to pay you more, mm. we're going to be able to drive our future, etc. Um, but it does rely on the fact that you've got money to be able to You've got money to afford to hire those people. Yeah, yeah. And Michael Page do lots of things really well, but they don't pay that well. Mm. And I didn't have $500,000 sitting in the bank to be able to Mm. afford to bring my team from Michael Page with me when I left. Yeah. And so so it becomes quite difficult to Mm. hire staff. Uh, well, as well, a startup business, it, it's very interesting that you that you that you raise that point because I think you and I first met roughly 2011-2012, and uh, I remember meeting you and thinking, yeah, Stephen Carter seems like a nice bloke, but the story was just you know your your business at that time and the profile of your business at that time was just the same probably yeah. as many others. Absolutely, um, and I remember you, you sent me an email. 
um, in, and I've still got the email, I found it the other day, uh, with a list of maybe a dozen names on there that you, that you wanted me to go and approach because you were a bit, obviously far too much of a gentleman to, uh, to, to, to tread on toes in the industry. And uh, a few of those people have gone off and done some wonderful things in the recruitment industry, but you did get one of them, and not through me, unfortunately, on that name. The name's on that list. Uh, Simon, Simon Cust. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, his name was on that list. Yeah. But I remember at that time, that was your challenge. Yeah. That was, that was, that's what you were struggling with the most. You, were, you had the appetite to do it, but trying to attract people into a business that possibly came with risks was hard. Mm, that's right. And I'm sure you see it all the time in, in what you do, Pete. That, Absolutely. Uh, when you've got a star recruiter who wants, who's analysing where they go to next, mm. it's hard to influence them to go to the two-person business as opposed to the 100-person business. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, so I, guess I suppose fast forward to 2013, and uh, and Tim has decided to, to move on, and then uh, and obviously something from the outside looking in uh, in, the, in the story of Sharvan Carter, interesting happens. Uh, Christy and Keo and Anthony Holstock come galloping over the horizon on their uh, on their on their white steeds <laughs> and their shiny yes. shiny armor. Accurate analogy. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. Um, so 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 talk me through that How, uh, again. Uh, these these for, for people I don't know, uh, Christian and Anthony are ex Michael Page guys. So yep. obviously you you knew them from from the old days. Yep. How did that come about? How did did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? How did how did that happen? Yeah, so uh, so I reached out to them. Yep. Anthony, I was competing. Anthony was managing the Wheelers Hill office of Michael Page, mm. and I was competing on every second job with him. I was doing well at that stage in senior finance recruitment, um, but then Anthony came into the market and he seemed to be everywhere. And I tried to hire <coughs> him as a consultant, but he said, "If I'm going to leave Michael Page, I think I'll do it myself." Yeah. And, uh, and then when Tim and I split, I went back to him and said, okay, well, if you're going to do it yourself, would you consider doing it with me? Yeah. And, uh, and Christian was the person he was considering doing it with. Right. And I knew Christian really well uh, and had worked together for a number of years and trusted him implicitly. So it was an absolute no-brainer. I didn't know it. I hadn't worked with Anthony because he mm. started after I'd left Page. Mm. But uh, you know, trust has been something that's been hugely powerful for us and mm. I trusted Christian and because I trusted Christian I could trust mm. that if he wanted to work with Anthony mm. Anthony was going to be you know a, um, a person with the right ethics and morals mm. and you know a good person to, to work with so yeah so I reached out to them and they they had an earn out so that you know we could pay off Tim in terms of his um uh, buy out for, for his shares but it made perfect sense for them to start with a business that had a database mm. and had some staff and had some offices etc rather than start from scratch themselves you didn't at any stage think i can do this on my own never at any stage did i think i could do this on my own didn't want to or didn't or you, or you, or you just thought it would be a stronger business with with other partners it's very lonely running a business. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I always, everything, all my experience in life has been within teams, all my team sports that I've played, mm. uh, strong family, strong friendships. You know, I had a really, uh, I really felt like everything that I'd achieved in life had been 
with others, mm. not by myself. So, no, I never thought that I wanted to do it by myself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was incredibly relieved when Anthony and Christian signed right. on the dotted line and agreed to come on board. <laughs> okay, so, so you suddenly got two brand new business partners who are probably chomping at the bit full of eager, youthful enthusiasm. Yep. And you're the old war horse <laughs> keeping everybody's feet on the ground. Um, did you then sit down and strategize because because what we did, did you realize that Anthony and 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 Christian coming in was the start of you know something quite quite amazing mm. that, that it was going to explode was that always the plan uh, so no. there's about 16 questions in one, no, in one then. yeah that's fine <laughs> uh, so initially I think Christian and Anthony uh, were putting in place more thorough planning and strategy into what they envisaged the business should be. Mm. And actually my role was to to say to them, guys, you don't yet have a business to plan for. Yeah. Like you need to be excellent recruitment consultants. Yeah. And we need to uh, the three of us need to lead from the front in terms of billing money. And then perhaps at some stage down the track, when we have a business that's established, then we can plan for what happens to it. Yeah. So, so how, how many staff did you have when, when Christian and Anthony came in? Uh, six. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, but I think some things happened from there that were fundamentally critical to the success that we've achieved from there on. So mm. uh, I talked about the key barrier to success in recruitment is your ability to hire staff mm. and the way shk got around that was bringing a team with them mm-hmm. well christian and anthony brought a team with them yeah yeah and i had a business with a cash flow that could afford to hire those people yeah so it still took us about two years to get it from that sort of eight or nine number yeah to 20 but once you're above 20 people, yeah. you could start having conversations with people like you, Pete, and saying, we can offer a career path here. And you start getting recruiters knocking on your door. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And you've got little case studies. Look, this person joined us, and this is where yeah. they started, and this is where they are now. They're managing a team of six people, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so there was a little, a, a perfect storm there of they had a team of people they could bring with them. Yeah. I had a business that could afford to hire those people and enabled us to get over that hump of six or seven, mm. which is where most startup recruitment businesses stay yeah. to 20. And then it's gone quite quickly mm. from there, from 20 to 120 mm. um, people. So, um, but I think well, in, once we had established the business, one of the things that we did discuss was what kind of business we wanted to be. Yeah. And I said I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to create a business that I would have loved to have worked within as a recruiter. Mm. Christian said, I want to treat people as I would like to be treated. And Anthony, who's the more probably ambitious of the three of us, said, I want to be the best employer in Australia. Okay. And then from there, we pursued that. And from that came how we define our culture and how we treat our people. Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of... You know, Michael Pages of the world are, have been tremendously, tremendously successful and they've made lots of money. Yeah. And their focus, their, their belief 
on how to run a successful recruitment business is that it's all about the process Mm. The process of recruitment. Mm. It's about how many calls you do. Mm. It's about how many interviews you do. It's about how many client meetings you go on. It's about what you say in those interviews and those client meetings in terms of gathering leads and gathering information. Mm. And um, how many resumes you send out the door. How many first round interviews you have. Mm. That will lead to a certain amount of placements and a certain amount of profit. Mm. And it doesn't really matter whether Steve Carter's doing it, Pete Watson's doing it. As long as you have people that are well-trained doing that process, mm. it will be successful. Yeah. And it has been. Yeah. Hayes are the most you know, yeah, profitable yeah. recruitment business in the world. Michael Page is not far behind them, etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, we focused on is we believe the key to running a successful recruitment business is relationships. Mm. So when... You know, Joe Bloggs as a client is sitting there thinking, okay, I need to engage a recruiter to recruit a job. Mm. Who they use will be influenced by who they know mm. and who knows them and knows their culture, knows what type of people they like to hire and also knows the talent in the marketplace. Mm. And I think a lot of boutiques understand this, yeah. that you know, the, you, the key is, is relationships. Yeah. But I think what a lot of boutiques what Tim and I and Tim and I understood that mm. it's all about relationships but we didn't then understand the next step and that's the most critical one which is uh, people don't have a relationship with Sharp and Carter they have a relationship with Stephen Carter yeah. or they have a relationship with Tim Sharp or yeah. Reese Buzzer or Ricky Fair yeah so therefore if we don't retain Reese Buzzer or Ricky Fair, yeah. we don't retain the relationships that Reese Buzzer or Ricky Fair have. Absolutely. So, um, and what Anthony, myself, and Christian have understood is we need to retain our people mm. to retain relationships mm. because we're not a, we we can't compete at the process level with Michael Page. who have got you know four hundred people in Australia. Yeah. So that there's some of the insights into yeah. how we started to plan and strategize and it and and the next step from there is all right if you're going to retain your people it's all about culture so yeah so okay so that's um that brings brings me on to the question what what are the key components uh that need to be in place for you to retain good people for, for them not to think about the grass being greener somewhere else yeah so we've hired a lot of people from michael page and we offer a great um to your point we offer a great uh, environment so there's a pull factor yeah you know we think it's a it's a good environment here but without a push factor we're not going to be able to hire those people yeah so you, your point about how do you ensure that people don't think the grass is greener you've got to make sure there are no push factors out of your business yeah. Yeah. because incumbency is really powerful yeah and um so we focus on uh care we care for our people yeah um, we trust and empower our people. We're generous towards our people. Yeah. And we're humble with our people. So we, we believe we as leaders are at the bottom of the food chain. We're servant-based leadership, essentially. Yeah, okay. And, um, and then the other key component is how we've structured. So we, we've structured as a, as a, like a law firm mm. or an accounting firm might structure as a partnership structure where our key people can own parts of their business mm. and that therefore enables us to keep our key 
key people and there's less of a push factor like I faced. Mm. Okay, well, mm. I build 700K at Michael Page and I earned, you know, 200. Mm. Uh, well, if I build 400, hard if I do, you know, a bit better than half as well, mm. I'll earn more. Mm. If, the, if you can close that gap where they don't start thinking, well, I built mm. 700 at Sharp and Carter, but I only earn, yeah, yeah if yeah. you can close that gap, it, it really helps to retain the people. Yeah. But some people will, will leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that your staff retention is, is, is one of the best in the industry, but some people will leave. And when they do, do you use that as an opportunity to, to learn? Do you really sit down and, and try and find out what it was that didn't work for them? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you learn more from your mistakes than you do from, mm. from things that go well. So, yes, you've, you've got to continue to look to improve and get better and um, change so that you don't lose good people. Mm. Uh, and, yes, it's absolutely critical. And mm. I think, I think uh, instead of blaming, blaming them or blaming the firm that hired them, mm. if you look within... You, you get so much more out of it. Mm. Okay. So going back to the, <clears throat> the partnership um, of yourself, Anthony, and, uh, and Christian, as the, as the years have rolled by, have you, uh, have you found yourselves uh, doing certain roles, taking on certain responsibilities um, that, are, that, are, that are away from you know, essentially just billing, just running yeah, desks? Absolutely. So uh, up until midway through last year, the, the split was that Christian... Uh, has been purely focused <coughs> internally. So he, uh, he just catches up with all of our staff and inquires how they are and really wow. inquires how they are outside of work. So how a person's, our experience has been uh, how a person's life is going outside of work is a huge driver to performance within work. Wow. So how their relationships are, how their health is, how whether they have hobbies, whether they have friends, whether they have love, etc., uh, wow. is a huge driver of how they perform. And he's just focused on how the person is. So that's fascinating because I, I think um, <laughs> the recruitment industry, obviously the, the old-fashioned concept of the recruitment industry, and I had this conversation actually with, with Paul Donovan from Bluefin, Back in the days when, when we started out, you were a 360 degree recruiter. You had one job and that was to make money. If you had problems, you'd better leave them at home. Do not bring them to work. Whereas you guys are actually sitting down and you're trying to find out what those problems are. Correct. But then the next part of that is, <laughs> the next part of that is if, if, if a recruiter turns around and says, look, you know, everything works great, I'm billing, pipeline's great and all the rest of it, but you know, I'm feeling a bit low, feeling a bit depressed. Um, you know, life's getting on top of me. You've then, you've then, taken that problem on to a certain degree what do sharp and carter do to help in in that situation yeah so i'll just uh, i'll take a step back to yeah. and, and then come back to answering your question our experience has been that uh let's say a person has problems outside of work let's say they have a toxic relationship with their family yeah with their mum and dad yeah and it's driving some unhappiness in their life mm. Unless we help that person with that issue, what mm. we find is that the, it's a very, very difficult issue to overcome something like that, reconciling a broken yeah. relationship with parents. Yeah. And 
unless we do, what happens is that person, when they sit down to assess how life is going and why they're unhappy, reconciling with their parents is a Mount Everest. Mm. And they can't begin to comprehend climbing Mount Everest. So Mm. they ignore it Mm. or they put it to one side. But they still say, I really need to make some changes because I'm unhappy. Mm. And one of the easy things to change is to change jobs. Right. And we've lost a good person because they want to make some changes to address their unhappiness. But actually what's making them unhappy is the toxic relationship that they have with their family. Yeah. So we need, we've found, in order to retain people, we need to help them take the first step and the second step and one step after the next mm. to addressing what's actually driving their unhappiness mm. and, and reconciling with their family or coming to terms with the fact that they can't. Mm. And um, so a lot of it is about, uh, is about understanding your people, understanding that not everyone's motivators are the same. Not everyone wants to be the best recruitment consultant. Mm. Some people want to go home to make sure they get dinner on the family, di- mm. dinner on the table for mm. their family at six pm. Mm. Um, so understanding what's happening in their life and really knowing the person is critical to being able to help. Obviously, we're not cha- trained psychologists or counsellors, and mm. we have and we engage trained psychologists and counsellors. Yeah, okay, so well. we've got an employee assistance program. Yeah. Acacia Connect, which have been fantastic, that we're able to refer people to, mm. to so that they can help um, or get help yeah. with those things. Because that's, that's the other part of it. You know, if, somebody, if Christine sits down with somebody <clears throat> to find out what's going on in their life, they might not necessarily want to share it with their boss. Yep. Their boss could be the last person they want to talk to. Yes. Um, but but uh, care, when I speak to people that come on board here about care, yeah. everyone sits there and thinks, care's wonderful. I want to be cared for. What yeah. a great concept. Yeah. But care is hard when care is on you. Yeah. Because care is not just providing a nice work environment. We care for people more than just employees we care for the whole person and so uh it there's there's a responsibility with great rights come responsibilities Mm -hmm. and if you want to be cared for you have to be open to being cared for Mm. and so now not it's not for everyone and some people say i don't want you to Mm. care for me i don't want you involved in what's happening in my life Mm. What that then reverts to is we need to manage like everyone else manages. Mm. Well, okay, that's fine, but we're going to manage you by results. Mm. Did you bill X amount of dollars for us (laughs) across the course of the year? Mm. And if you didn't, we're going to suck you. Mm. Now, that rarely, rarely happens, but that's what it leads to because if they're not because that's what's driving a lack of performance. And yeah. if we don't understand it and we're not able to influence it, yeah. then we're just going to manage it in a traditional way. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, so that's what Christian does. Um, and what about... Yes, sorry. Uh, so, and what about uh, Anthony? So Anthony and myself, we're more customer-facing. Yeah. Uh, so probably, you know, I, we both have business development and um, recruitment responsibilities. Anthony is probably... A stronger business developer yeah and I'm probably a stronger recruiter um, and that's how it worked up until uh, midway through last year and midway through last year I have started to begin the process of marketing 
the firm and being the face of the business and talking about what Sharp and Carter uh, stand for and what they be- what we believe in um, and and stepped out of more a sort of mm. um, business development recruitment role. Okay. Yep. Okay. Being honest, <clears throat> do you and uh, Christian Anthony uh, do you ever argue? Do you ever have? I'm sure, I'm sure you have disagreements, but does it ever kind of spill over? Have, have there been any particular discussions over the years that have kind of bordered on a on, a, on an argument? Uh, so this is, I love it when I talk about the business and people, uh, and I say how lucky I've been. Yeah, how lucky I've been, and with Christian. Anthony and myself being so aligned in the type of business we wanted to create. Yeah. And people always say, oh, you create your own luck. But it is absolutely a fluke that we are so aligned yeah. in what type of business we've wanted to build. Wow. And, uh, and that really, in a nutshell, it hinges upon putting our people first. We put our people before our profit. We put our people before our customers yeah. our people are the most important thing and our actions show that and demonstrate that so and because of that we have very few arguments or heated discussions mm. um, there are always uh, individual quirks that we point out to each other when we review each other mm. so that we keep growing and um, mm. improving but no it, we're the trust between the three of us uh, is unbreakable. We know that we're coming from, we always know that we're, every person's coming from a good place and with our best interests at heart. Yeah. So any criticism or, um, yeah, or, or difficult discussion is, is always received pretty well. Not easily, but yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, but it's not the answer I was looking for. I was, I was, I was hoping you were going to tell me you had a massive Barney last week, and uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, okay, at, w- at what point did you come to the realisation that it was crucial to build this business? Um, it was crucial that you put people first, put people, and, you, and, you took, and you took your eye off the buildings and you, put, and you focus on the people. At what point did you start to realise that was, that was the right thing to do? So I think it was about probably... Uh, nine to 12 months after Christian and Anthony started. Mm. So that would have taken us to 2014, something Mm. like that. And uh, once we felt like we had a business that was performing um, outside of us being good recruitment consultants and and we started to talk about uh, what type of business we wanted to create. Okay, okay. So so going off, off subject a little bit, have you, as, as the business got to a certain size um, and, and had a certain profile, did you start to attract attention from potential buyers? Uh, has, has that happened many times over the years? Did that happen earlier than you thought or has it not happened yet? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and how difficult has it been to say no? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, we've had some limited approaches Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, the business has only been... Yeah, we're continuing to grow. So we're at our peak right now of 120 people. Uh, But I think when when you speak to sort of M&A people in the recruitment space and you say, we'll never sell because we're going to sell down to our staff, that's our exit. Yeah. 
that word spreads pretty quickly. Yeah. So so you don't get further approaches because the word gets out. You've set yourself up as a partnership structure. Yeah. We can't sell it even if we wanted to. Yeah. So no, not, not, not a huge amount. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. All right. So again, going back to the concept of this podcast, it's all about, you know, helping people who are on a certain journey, you know, take a different path. And, and if somebody wanted to follow your path, Stephen, what's the number one piece of advice? It's probably not as straightforward as that, but what's the number one piece of advice that you would give a, uh, either a, a senior recruiter who's, who's, who's having that entrepreneurial you know, itch and he's thinking about starting his or her, his or her own, uh, first business, or you know, a couple of mates and they know each other really well and they're, they're, it's, it's a two-man band and they want to take the next step. What's the number one piece of advice that you would give them uh, before you know starting that that journey? I'll give two if I could. Two, Pete. absolutely. Uh, so uh, the first thing would be to uh, to under to to not take two steps backwards to go one step forwards. Mm. Uh, and in the recruitment world, that recruitment businesses are very difficult to rebuild, in my opinion. Mm. So if you've got you know we've started say sales and marketing in Melbourne. Mm. Now, if I lose the key people in that business, mm. then it's going to be really difficult to rebuild that business. Mm. So in order to grow a recruitment company, you can't afford to lose your staff. Mm. You've got to make sure you retain particularly your key staff mm. and do everything you can to make sure they stay in the business and come on the journey with you. Mm. So, um, you know, we've averaged 8% staff turnover mm. uh, Per year over the last four years. Now that's incredibly low for any business, yep. but it's particularly low for a recruitment business. Um, yep. The the other piece of advice that I'd have is to really understand what strategy is. Now, how I was taught about strategy was when um, uh, Steve Ingham, who was the global CEO of Michael Page, would yep. come out and he'd do a global strategy roadshow. Mm. And he'd come out to the Melbourne office and would all stand in the boardroom and he'd stand up and he'd say, "This our strategy is, there's seven cities in China with more than 20 million people. We're going to open four offices in each of those cities. We're going to open an office in Hong Kong. We're going to open an office in Canberra. We're going to open an office in Bangkok. Yeah. That's going to lead to this many heads. It's going to lead to this much revenue. And this, our share price is going to do this. That's our strategy. Right. And I always thought that's what strategy was. Yeah. And when people ask me, what's your strategy look like? Mm. I used to say, we don't have a strategy because that's the context in which I thought about mm. strategy. And I never mm-hmm. thought about my business in that way, that we're going to do this and be here and have this discipline. Mm. Uh, the subsequent learning and reading that I've done on strategy, I like the definition of strategy better. That is, strategy is defined as the continual improvement and refinement of your competitive advantage. Mm. So we've got a great strategy. Mm. Our strategy is how we continue to improve and refine Mm. how we look after our people. And if we look after our people, we'll retain our people. Mm. If we retain our people, we'll retain relationships. Now, what Steve Ingham was talking about strategy, in my opinion, is a growth plan. And we just don't have much of a growth plan, but we have a really great strategy. So 
and I think a lot of people get confused when they're starting businesses. They think about, well, what's the, what's the, the future in 10 years look like? And then working back from there as to how I get there. Mm. You know, okay, if I want to be 100 people in 10 years, that means in eight years, I'm going to have to be seven, 70 people. And in five years, mm. I'm going to have to be 40 people and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then they try to hit those yeah. goals and, and markers along the journey. But the danger of that is that if you said, okay, in two years, I've got to be 40 people, yeah. you start to compromise on your culture and your, yeah. your competitive advantage yeah. and hiring people that perhaps aren't quite right because you've said, I've got to be 40 people in two years, yeah. so I've got to hire yeah. people to get to yeah. 40 people. Yeah. So just be really careful with what strategy is and build from what your competitive advantage, what competitive mm. advantage you have rather than what goal you're trying to achieve, mm. what growth you're trying to mm. achieve. Okay. What do you, um, you know, when you look back on the, on the, on the, on the journey and you, you're sitting here with 120 people working within Chapacata, a business that you started almost because you had to. Yeah. Um, what are you most proud of? When you think about Chapacata, what are you most proud of? Yeah, so uh, it's a really easy answer. The thing, and it links to why I love the business and mm. um, uh, and the opportunities that the business has created, it, it's absolutely about the people. And mm. uh, I'm most proud of the journey I've been able to share mm. with the people I've had the privilege of working with. Mm. So it's the marriages, the weddings I've yeah. been to. Yeah. It's the children that yeah. have been, you know, born. Um, it's uh, it's the houses, you know, the, the houses and the lives that have been started yeah. off the back of working together. Yeah. Um, and that's been the thing I've been most proud of in a way. Or, but I, I I don't like the term proud because it 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 insinuates that it's mostly about me that I've I've done it. Mm. That's the thing I'm most grateful for. Mm. I'm most grateful for the journey I've been able to share with the people that I work with mm. because it's as much about them as it is about mm. me. How many how many inter inter Sharp and Carter marriages have there been? Uh, so there's been well there's been none that uh, there's been there's two this year but they were together they they were together prior to joining right. Sharp and Carter yeah. so we do have uh, one serious relationship that started at uh, Sharp and Carter no pressure um, no pressure guys uh, but um, yes but it, you know I, I certainly don't have a rule that no you can't I think work is a place yeah. that people meet others yeah, yeah you know like it like school is like university is yeah. like sporting clubs are work is another place you might meet someone yeah. so i certainly don't um i don't have a rule where you can't um yeah you can't meet people at work yeah um what does the future look like for sharp encounter what's next uh so we don't, as I discussed earlier, we don't have a growth plan. Yep. We yep. don't have a destination that we're trying to um, to reach. We have grown a lot in the last two years. So I think it will be a period of building out the teams underneath the people we've hired to start the businesses in Brisbane, the IT business in Sydney, the sales and marketing business in Sydney, mm. the IT business in Melbourne, because we've brought on the, the heads of those businesses and we need to then build mm. out teams to give them the opportunity to grow mm. their businesses and wealth, etc. Um, so I don't think we're going overseas 
you know, in the okay. next 12 months or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. But uh, our experience has been that if we focused on our strategy, it leads to, it, it has led mm-hmm. over the past six years, it led to more growth than we can handle. Yeah. And our, our approach to growing is that we assess it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. So if someone was to come to us tomorrow and say, I want to partner with you to open in Hong Kong, yeah. we'll assess that yeah. as it comes and we'll make a decision on whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, yes. but, 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 but you certainly don't have plans to, to slow down, per se. We won't be able to. No. The, biz- the business is its own living, breathing yeah. organism. We yeah. don't control it. We're trying to guide it. Yeah. But uh, now... We can't. We can't now say, okay, 120 people is enough. Yeah. That's I've done. You know, I've built my wealth. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Because you know, Pete Risley and Ryan Linton, who started Melbourne mm. IT. Yeah. They're going to say, well, that's great for you, Carts, but yeah. what about us? Yeah, yeah. We had ambition to be more than five people, and so we we don't have the option to closed door and, 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 and you personally you, you feel like you've got a, a, a few more few more miles left on the clock yes absolutely yeah yeah I, I, I love it more now than I ever have and um, and I lead a really balanced life so work is mm. not all consuming where I burn out mm. so so you did you did six months in the south of France last year in the Alps in yeah the, yeah okay yeah, and you came back all, all, all refreshed and recharged all, yeah yeah, and I think it's something. Well, it is something that we're going to do with all partners within the business. That yeah. after you've, I've done ten years, so it's probably somewhere in that seven to ten year time frame. Yeah. Once you've done seven to ten years in the business and you're a partner, yeah, we'll make people take six months off so they can refresh and recharge and come back and be ready for another ten years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, I've got one final question, Steve, but I think I know the answer. Uh, and the question is, yeah, knowing, knowing the journey that you've been on and looking back over the years, would you do it all again? But you, you seem like a very content, lucky, lucky man. Yeah. So I suspect you would do it all again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's been an incredible privilege and a great life experience and something I'd encourage everyone to consider if they have the opportunity yeah. to, to, to run their own business. Um, and I'm sure you'd feel the same, Pete. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Uh, and yes, it's been. I, I'd absolutely do it again. You know, the only other thing I'd say to your audience, for for those out there who are listening, is just to uh, manage your life outside of work, mm. because when you do run your own business, it's difficult. There's always something to be done. Mm. But the importance of your partner, who yeah. you know, and giving them the time they deserve. Um, so that you know you love them and support them as much as they're loving you and supporting you, um, hobbies, friends, mm. family, your health, um, because running your own business is very stressful, mm. and uh, and you need to have resilience, and resilience comes from those things I just talked about mm. uh, to be able to cope with the stress of running your own business. Mm. Well, Stephen, genuinely, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, giving us a, a very detailed insight into the success and the formulas for success within Shad Makata. I hope you haven't given away too many of your, your, your business secrets. I've just told you all my business secrets. <laughs> um, but it's one thing to know them and another thing to Absolutely. execute them. So, Absolutely. Yes. Stephen, thank you so much. Much appreciated. No problems, Pete. My pleasure.
Thank you so much for listening to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Now, while we're passionate about bringing inspirational recruitment stories to our network via this podcast series, Recruitment to Recruitment is our bread and butter and our day job. So if you are a recruiter thinking about your next career chapter or your recruitment journey, see what I did there? We're always keen to have a confidential discussion with recruiters about what's going on in the market. So please feel free to contact me in the strictest of confidence on 0432 666701 or email me at pete at com. Thank you so much for listening and please watch out for our next inspirational podcast interview coming very soon.